0: All right guys, you ready? I got a book. Scott?
1: Yeah, I got a book. Bill? Uh well,
2: I I I I probably got a book, but I got a story I've been working on. What? Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. I'm not quite sure what you're talking about.
2: Well, I mean, I've been I've been writing I've been writing a book. You know, like a book book.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Now, no pictures. No pictures. It's a book. A prose book, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got, here. Oh, an amateur's a, book. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let me just read the first uh, first opening. <clears throat> the night was sultry. Eh? Eh? Do you think maybe I should read it in, like, different voices or anything, you know? Like, oh, the night was sultry. No? No? That's
0: it? That's the whole book? Uh,
2: how did you know that? I, I only got that first sentence done.
0: And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Stop it!
1: Genesis! Uh,
0: what's
2: in the box? Disenfranchised by the modern comics industry, producer Paul Spitaro, Dr. Bill Robinson, and Scott H. Gardner, now
0: ply the time stream in a never-ending quest to rediscover and reconnect with that unique brand of fun and excitement that can only truly be found in good old-fashioned, randomly selected comic book back issues. Journey with them now. Back. Back. To The bins. I got nowhere up the go. <laughs> I got
1: nowhere up the go. <laughs> I got nothing else. Hello,
0: everybody, and welcome to a special spooky episode of Back to the Bins. Happy Halloween, everybody.
2: Ooh. <laughs> it's only September. Um, sh- yeah, ooh, ooh, scary, scary. <laughs> I really am thinking
0: I'm not going to see too many trick-or-treaters this year.
2: <laughs> I did see a story on the news. A guy took like a like a piece of PVC tubing at the top of his stairwell at his house, like maybe about four or five feet, and I guess strapped it to his uh, railing, and he's just going to slide candy down it to the kids to drop in the bag so they don't have to walk up to, to, to the door. So that, I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah.
1: The past, can... past couple of years, I've just been putting candy in a bowl, set it in front of the door, put out a sign that says, don't ring the f- doorbell, and, and I'm done at that point. When the bowl's empty, yeah, it's empty. But, but now I'd like to improve upon that
2: that idea of the piece of PVC because I recently got an air compressor. <laughs> You know where I'm going with this? You're gonna launch them like mortars? Yes, I could stand it. Oh, awesome. Go deep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got. Oh, I took out his eye. Sorry. <laughs> I
1: was just gonna say it's 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 not valid until somebody loses an eye.
0: It's all funny games.
1: I could be I could be like Captain Kirk,
2: and I'm fighting the Gorn. I just stuff it full of M and M's, and just shoot them. <laughs> <Boom>.
0: <laughs> Pull. He sees, doctor. He sees.
1: Yeah,
0: oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like this idea. Make <laughs> him work for it. Make him suffer a little bit. There you go. Stuff it with cotton candy, put some
2: for some wadding to create some pressure. Throw a bunch of candy in there. Poof. <laughs> <laughs> Don't run, it'll only hurt worse in the back. Poof. <laughs>
1: Gotta use get some Jolly Ranchers because when they fragment, it's like shrapnel. (laughs) Shrapnel. (laughs) Ah, yeah.
2: (laughs) Toilet paper, my house, you little bastard. (laughs) I'm packing candy. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't know how. uh, I don't know how Halloween's gonna work this year. It is. It's like on a Saturday or something, right?
0: Yep. It is on a Saturday, and this episode will be coming out. So it's Halloween. Stop talking as if it's not.
1: <laughs> Happy Halloween. So we've got some... Oh, uh, so you got to say that
2: like uh, the guy in um, uh, Halloween 3, Dan
1: O'Hurley.
2: Happy Halloween.
1: <laughs> it's funny you say that, because as I was reading Paul's <laughs> book... Purpose. I was like, I wonder if I have any any Halloween music that I can play, you know, listen to on my headphones while I'm reading this. So I I did a search in, you know, I've got all my music in um oh god, what is the thing called? iTunes something. I can't remember what it's called. It's a special program where you can access like your entire music library from anywhere.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I did a search in there for Halloween and it turned out I had Two different versions of the theme from Halloween, and then the Happy silver Happy Sham- Halloween, yeah, the Silver Shamrock one from Halloween. It's the whole time, kids gather around the TV. <laughs> silver Shamrock, yeah, I had that one. <laughs> that was it.
0: <laughs> I, you know, I know a lot of people liked that third movie, but I was not a fan.
1: You know, I was as we were going into your book and I'm thinking we should probably cover your book first. But as as I was going into your book, um, I was thinking I'm probably going to catch hell because I'm going to have to admit I've never seen a Halloween movie. But then come to think of it, I have seen the third one because it used to play endlessly on HBO. And it's one of those things, you know, because it was HBO in the 80s. I don't think I ever saw it like start to finish, but you know, in one sitting. But I know I've seen the entire movie, and I, I specifically remember the part where like the big robot guys hold down—I think he's like a bum or something—and pull his head off. I always thought, why were there robot guys in there? I don't
2: understand that. Some parts of that yeah. movie make no sense. That movie was, yeah, it was I, I didn't care for it honestly. And
0: I know, like I said, I know a lot of people really did like it, so. You know, maybe I'm in the minority on that one, but I didn't care for it. I, The very first Halloween movie by John Carpenter I actually liked a lot. The second one was very derivative and kind of just followed the same, the same plot lines effectively without really having the, uh, you know, the deft touch on it that the first one did. Uh, but I still, you know, it was kind of just a little more of the same kind of thing. Uh, but then the third one, you know, when they changed the storyline, just didn't do it for me.
1: There's been a lot of those movies now, too. And I then they, listening to,
0: uh, yeah, they've oh, never brought back Michael Myers in a way that I've enjoyed, to be honest with you. After the, Really, you know, I guess it could have just been one and done as far as I was concerned.
2: I was fine with a second listening. one. But, uh, yeah, after that, I mean, three was okay. It was different on its own. But beyond that. I didn't see the recent remake they did with... Uh, I
0: did. I didn't care for it. And really? I really had high expectations for it, actually. It wasn't really yeah. a remake. Well, there was the remake. That was a few years ago. And then there was uh, a, a sequel, you know, which brought back uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and, uh, you know, it was supposed to be, whatever, 30 years later, 40 years later. And, and it kind of, you know discarded most of the stuff that happened after the first one.
1: Yeah, there was a there's a really good I, I couldn't tell you the name of the episode or what, but there was a good episode um from the Red Letter Media Guys, you know, one of their their video uh you know things that they do on YouTube where they were talking about I don't know, I can't remember if they were talking about the whole franchise or just whatever the latest Iteration, You know, the latest movie in the series was, but I was struck by all the comparisons and similarities with the Terminator franchise that, you know, they've they've done direct sequels, but then, you know, they did a movie that basically said, OK, you know, we're, we're going to do a sequel to. You know, race this movie ignore the other movies, and now it's all, you know, this big convoluted mess because some of the movies are referred to and other ones are not referred to, and, you know, so their whole continuity is all screwy. So it's not just Terminator that has that problem. Oh, no. This, now, the,
0: the, that history of the Halloween movies is, in its own way, very similar to the Terminator movies.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's how they were making it sound.
0: Which, yeah, that's, it's not, it's an apt comparison. So, as, as I sit here talking about how I'm not thrilled with all the sequels that they made to Halloween, I have brought to the table a sequel to the movie Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I am looking at a book called Halloween, The First Death of Laurie Strode. And it has a cover date of September of 2008. And it is written by Stefan Hutchinson, drawn by Jeff Zorno, uh, lettered by Ed Dukeshire, colored by Nick Falardi, and then there's some other names on it. And I'll be totally honest and tell you, I don't know any of those names. Nope. The cover, there's, there's actually four covers with the alternates. And uh, the first, the, the main one is is a close-up of the Michael Myers mask uh, with the face of the mask is actually intact, but behind the eyes you see that there's a fire glowing and all of the hair on it is a fire. It almost reminds me of, uh, what was the character, Time Rider? Or maybe even, uh, uh, who's the, the, the Herald of Galactus? Uh, fire Oh, Fire Lord? Fire Lord.
1: Yeah, I can kind of see that.
0: So then, there's three other alternate covers, and on the inside cover, or the, yeah, the inside cover, you have uh, pictures of them. And there's one by Scott Hampton, which is kind of just a sort of a close-up of Michael Myers, and he's holding a knife. It's, you know, these are all kind of poster images. Uh, the second one by Tim Seely uh, shows Laurie Strode on the ground, and then she's in a you know she's a smallish image. Uh, and then there's a pool, a very large pool of blood around her, and Michael Myers' face could be seen in that. And then there's the fourth cover by Ryan Brown, and I feel like that's kind of the most amateurish one. It's very sketchy looking, and you see Michael Myers' face at the top, and then uh, a body, hold, you know, like the, the, a torso uh, brandishing a knife and then holding a head in the other hand, and I, I kind of feel that one is the least effective of the bunch. Uh So, I was going to do a synopsis on this until I actually saw one online that I thought was much better than mine. So I'm going to actually do that one. November 5th, 1978. Laurie Strode attends the funeral of her close friend, Annie Brackett. She reflects upon the horror of recent days and comes to grips with the terrible truth that her older brother, she never knew she had, had come to Haddonfield to kill her. Standing next to her at the service is Sally Winters. Sally was fortunate to have been... been home in bed with the flu on Halloween night when Laurie's brother Michael Myers went on his rampage. After the funeral, Laurie goes to see Jimmy. Jimmy no longer works at the hospital. The head injury he sustained has been causing him to go into seizures. Now he just sits at home with his mother watching him. February 22nd, 1979. Laurie goes for a walk with Sally Winters. They pass the house of an aging, lecherous pervert named Mr. Riddle. Sally is bothered by his sneering gaze, but Lori urges her to keep walking. They go back to Lori's house, and Sally gives her some pot. They smoke up inside her bedroom, and Lori comes to terms with everything that she learned recently. She sh- shows Sally the dusty diary of Judith Myers, her late older sister. Apparently, her adoptive parents have, had kept it in their possession ever since Lori's natural parents died in a car accident in 1966. Reading the journal, Lori determines that Michael possessed psychopathic tendencies even before she was born. Lori puts down the diary and looks outside. She's horrified to see Michael Myers standing clo- next near the clothesline. She screams and Sally comes to the window. When they take a second look, they see the body of old Mr. Riddle sitting dead in a chair in the backyard. Lori runs out of the house screaming straight into the arms of Dr. Loomis. So, I thought this was kind of... An enjoyable read. I didn't think this was necessarily a bad sequel. Uh, you know, it's probably unnecessary, is what it comes down to.
2: Mm. Uh,
0: but you know, as I read it through, it you know, it, it moves along fairly quickly, fairly briskly, and you do wonder what's going to go on. But you know, ultimately. I kind of feel like, well, it's going to be more of the same. Michael Myers is going to be the indestructible boogeyman, and somehow they're going to defeat him, and it's going to be like, you know, oh, is he dead or is he alive? What's going on? If I read the other two issues of this series. Um, that's what I anticipate will happen. So, I don't think we're going to get any deep character moments. I don't think we're going to get anything where it's going to really give us some insight into the characters. Uh, but if you were looking for more of the, more of the same, I think it's fine. Um The artwork is okay. Uh, It doesn't really grab me particularly. And then like the scene uh, where where they're uh, talking about the the death of her natural parents. and They're showing the car crash. It's extremely graphic and kind of gross. Uh, So it's definitely not for the weak of uh, stomach. Uh, It was okay. It's really what it comes down to. I thought it was okay, but I don't know, you know. How would you guys feel about it?
1: I was kind of surprised that, uh, I I mean, I didn't think it was stellar, don't get me wrong, but I was kind of surprised that, you know, for the most part, I I enjoyed it. It was an easy read. And I'll be completely honest that when, uh, you know, when you sent this to me and I opened it up not knowing what it was and I saw the car, I'm like, oh, God, you know, Mm because typically this sort of thing, uh, especially when they're, By an indie company especially when they're by a small indie company of you know a movie property that they're doing sequel stories or whatever to they usually suck and so that thought coupled with the fact that i have no familiarity or real interest in the halloween franchise i really expected it was going to be shit and that it was going to be a slog but i was kind of surprised that uh you know, I was engaged in it. Um, my, you know, I had some questions, of course. Now, I'm assuming that this Laurie is the Jamie Lee it's, Curtis character. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's what I figured.
0: And just just to, right. by way and of that, background, the first, you know, the second movie takes place, I guess, the day after Halloween. You know, after all the events of the other movie. And no, no, no.
2: It's on. It picks right up at the end of the same night.
0: But then I think it goes into the next morning. I think you know it picks right no. up. and then no, oh, okay, I'm,
2: no, no, because it because uh, because people are taken to the hospital, and that's where Jimmy, who was the paramedic, who was played by I don't recall Lance Guest, who was in I don't recall The Last Starfighter. I don't recall. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, because he's got the head injury because he slips. He goes into a room. He slips on has, the blood. He slips on the blood because somebody had jammed the thing in the arm and bled, bled all the blood out on the floor. And he, he like, turns, zip, boom, bam, and cracks his head on the, on the floor. He was so, the lucky
0: one.
1: The, yeah. So the, so, so the brain-damaged kid is actually Alex Rogan? Yeah. Oh, okay.
0: And then, okay. well, in the, the, the end of that movie, um,
1: Donald Pleasance, up. who,
0: yeah, he... he, he Let's you know opens up all like these gas canisters or whatever, and then right. lights them, and there's an explosion that you know theoretically kills Michael Myers, and it burns Loomis, which is why his face looks the way it does in the comic.
2: Exactly, and they show the scene there in in this comic, where she's got her foot wrapped up, her hand wrapped up. She's in like a gown because that's when she was in a hospital, and Michael's on fire. Michael was on fire in in the hallway because at the end of Halloween one. They shot him. He fell out through the second story banister, fell on the on the floor, and he disappeared. That's right where the second movie picks up. Is they 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 overlap that scene, and that's that's where it picks up and finishes that night. It's so. Still so this night.
1: is a sequel to the second movie, then?
2: Yes. Okay. Right. right. Which takes so place other, a couple of days or something later because people are still. Well,
0: it starts a couple of days, but then it goes a couple of months. Oh, that's right.
2: Yeah,
1: because Jimmy would is yeah.
2: recovered at home, yeah.
1: So my other big question here is, you know, again, not having seen the movies, only having, you know, pop culture osmosis of these things. Now, I've never seen this series. I've never seen the Nightmare series. I've never seen the Jason series. And to me, those characters all kind of blend together and, and crisscross. So is Mike Myers, is he a supernatural? (laughs) No, he's
0: he's Wayne's world.
1: world. (laughs) Michael Myers. He, is he a supernatural thing? Like ultimately, yes. Ultimately the
0: answer to that question is yes, but they never so much come out and define exactly why. I think one of the sequels, you probably have to talk to like Luke or Jason to get really this stuff or even Chris for that matter. Uh, but I, I think one of the sequels does have something where, like, there's some sort of like a witch doctor that is is involved in things. But I don't, you know, in the first two movies, they certainly never define why he's able to survive all of this stuff. Uh, one one of the interesting things, like, just as I was reading through this, uh, you know, you know, the mask that Michael Myers wears is a uh, William Shatner mask, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, the only shot in the entire book that I thought actually looked like Shatner is after the last page. You know, we end with the cliffhanger with the doctor. It says to be continued. When you turn the page, the cover, I'm, I'm assuming these are alternate covers next to it, but the cover image for the next issue, I think that looks just like Shatner.
0: Well, frankly, so, in what, all the what, times what? I've seen the movie, I never thought the mask looked like William Shatner. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, supposedly it's, what, isn't it Shatner, but turned inside yeah,
0: out? I think it's turned inside out yeah, with, like, a yeah. coat of spray paint on it.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: But it's, but yeah, uh, I had you know, but that. but they, there's the scene in here where the, sh- the, sh- the shop owner is. Collects uh, all the masks. He, he throws out all the masks, and apparently he's got, like, 15 William Shatner masks. <laughs> Everything else he's got, like, one of.
2: <laughs> I don't like that whole shelf is seventy percent off because now nobody wants to buy it. But it's after Halloween, so how are you going to sell masks anyway? Nobody wants a Halloween mask in November, at least not in this
1: country. Have you read the other issues of this? No, I haven't. Hmm. I, I didn't. I didn't think it was horrible. I was kind of curious where it was going, you know.
0: Oh, I think it's going to go the second issue. You know, Michael is going to show himself. Uh, Lori's going to be in a precarious position where you think, you know, how is she going to get out of this? And then at the end of the third issue, because I think it's a three-issue series,
2: Mm. it'll look like
0: Michael is dead, but the body won't be there, and it'll be, you know, you could just hear the the Halloween music at that point.
2: Can I – I have not read anything. I don't know anything. Uh, I know nothing. I'm going to say – that Jimmy is gonna crack be... crack corn, and I don't care. Exactly. No, <laughs> I, I, I think brain damage Jimmy is gonna be is the new Michael. Seriously, I bet uh-huh. you, I bet you. Because why would they even introduce him? I mean, yeah, they're visiting all the characters from the movies. I guess maybe to flesh things out. But wouldn't it be something if they made him the killer? The
0: I don't think killer? Th- I don't think that's a bad <laughs> thought at all. Actually.
1: That would kind of explain why the mother is creepy and so like protective or whatever mm. of them.
0: yeah I don't, I don't think that's a bad thought and you may be right that uh, would it would make it a little less derivative <laughs> from what I was describing because I was just describing basically doing the same thing over again um, yeah I, I kind of like that idea I think I think that's pretty good bill.
2: So now I'll we'll have to go f- read it and find out. Yeah, that'll be now, your, that'll be your job.
1: Now, has he crossed over with with some of the other killer movies, or am, no. am I thinking? I Jason they did, did no. that
0: with Freddy. I thought they okay. did have one where
2: he crossed over. Mm, not
1: that I, I haven't any. really
0: it's, followed it, so I don't know. Yeah, I thought he,
1: so too, but
2: they've had so many different reboots where, like, they had the one. What was it? Halloween H2O, where they brought back Jamie Lee Curtis to fight him, and she kills him, and then they brought her back again in this new one, which is a direct sequel from the. What, Halloween 2? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? So, I they've got all... And then, what? In, like, Halloween 4 and 5 and 6? Wasn't he going after his niece? It's some crazy shit like that. He was stuck in the bottom of a well, and... I don't know.
0: Michael Do Myers is stuck in the well.
2: <laughs> what was Get? that, Lassie?
1: What was that, Lassie? <laughs> yeah, I... Full confession: I, I had a really tough time picking a book for this, and I, I actually read. I saw so you several actually put
0: books. it out to the to group.
1: Yeah, I did. Yeah, I threw um, it out I would have thought you would have gone with Swamp Thing. With you know, Swamp
2: Thing book. That's that what
1: I thought my... you were going to do that was high on my list and we'll we'll, we'll end up doing that at some point cuz i really want you guys to re- i was shocked to hear that neither of you had ever read the original swamp thing number 1 so i we will bring that to the show at some point but well,
0: we did do the first appearance of swamp thing didn't
1: we did, did he? Appear-
0: no no we did the first appearance of man thing that's what it Man-Thing, was
1: man yeah um yeah so, I, I read several books trying to settle on one that I really wanted to bring. And, and one of the books that I read was uh, I, I'm not sure which company it is. Dynamite, I think, had a Freddy versus Jason versus Ash from Army of Darkness. And it was actually pretty damn good, but I figured I was already going to have enough confusion and enough questions from this issue that I didn't want to have another one where I'm just sitting there going, "Okay, so what is the deal with this guy and this guy and all, you know?" So I just I was like, no, nope, I'm going to put that back on the shelf for now, maybe maybe at some future date." Cuz it was fun and interesting, but like have not watched any
2: too- of the movies with Ash in it?
1: Oh yeah, I love Oh, okay. I was actually, those. actually I
0: love those. Actually, I haven't. What? I've never seen any of the Evil oh. Dead movies.
2: Well, you could skip the first one, and you could yeah, probably skip the second one. It. Just go straight to Army no. of Darkness. No, 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 no. No. Well, I know it leads into it, but I love Army Dude, of
1: Darkness much better. It's 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 a two it's a two movie thing. It's it's all you need. You you, you got to watch Army or excuse me, Evil Dead Two. Ignore the fact that it has a two on it because it's not really a sequel. To yeah. And it's it's a reboot. It's the it, same story as the first
2: one, but it's done more tongue-in-cheek, Sam Raimi. Because I I,
1: mean. I don't like horror movies. That's why I've never seen you know, the Freddy, the Jason, the Michael Myers, any of that. I just I – just, it's just not my genre, and and I was very shielded as a kid from that sort of shit. But when I was in video and working in video in, in the 90s um, – I can't remember how I got exposed to it, but somebody exposed me to Army of, or not Army of Darkness, um, Evil Dead 2. And it didn't strike me as a horror movie. It struck me as a comedy and mm-hmm. I loved it. I couldn't get enough of it. I watched it a zillion times. So when they finally came out with the sequel, um, Army of Darkness, I, I ate that up. I actually still like Evil Dead 2 a little bit better even though the production values and everything and the music and everything on on Army of Darkness is much better and you know far superior to Evil Dead. Evil Dead just has this like grindhouse quality to it that just makes it so much fun. It's it's cheesy, it's goofy, but it's goddamn is it fun. It's just a fun movie. So, yeah, I would highly recommend those, you know. Hail to the King, baby. Yeah. Is his, that's what won me over with him was his, just his goofiness and his personality because you know, he thinks he's cool but he's just a big dork and that's what I liked about I him. could easily see you being that guy
2: if any one of what? you pinheads comes much primitives comes near, prim, comes oh, near yeah, me,
0: yeah.
2: I'm oh, going to get you with my boomstick and he's got a <laughs> shotgun uh, and then when you his priming. girlfriend gets you primate. just and then when the uh, uh, um, when his girlfriend gets possessed whatever he's like honey you got real ugly real quick
1: somebody was just telling me recently and I I wish I could remember who it was to credit them properly but somebody was just telling me that they were listening back to old old episodes of Two True Freaks and they stumbled across apparently at some point I don't remember doing it but apparently at some point On Star Trek Monthly Monday, I was going on and on about how the Starfleet captains are always putting up with, you know, these idiot cultures. You know, they'll go down to the planet and they'll get pushed around by, you know, some what's basically like a third world country as a planet. And I got I I do get tired of that. And so apparently I, I said just once, I'd like to have them have a captain. It's a little more Ash that goes down there. It's like, okay, you Prudish Screwheads, listen up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'd forgotten that we we had done that, but somebody reminded me of it, and I thought that was funny. So now I, I got to go back and listen to it. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I, Ash Ash is funny. I know that there's a whole series out now, uh, Ash versus the Evil Dead. It's on. I don't know, like it was Asia. on stars stars yeah maybe i've heard really good things about it but i i, haven't I think it's watched on it. hulu or
2: netflix or w- one of the three main streamers it's on now too i saw the Probably. first season i haven't caught the other two and i, I guess lee it, lee major so. stars as his father
1: oh yes that's i heard that yeah yeah um some of the comics are not bad. I, I haven't read them all by any stretch, but I have read some of the Dyna I'm pretty sure it's Dynamite because it seems to me that he was part of a couple of the big crossovers that they've done. I'm I'm almost positive he was part of uh um oh god, what was the name of it? Not Swords of Sorrow, because that was all women. Oh shit. I can't remember the Prophecy, maybe? There was one really big, like property-wide crossover that that dynamite did with all of their characters and all their licensed characters and everything that had just like everybody in it that they were publishing at that time and i think that's the one that ash is in because it it has him it has like the um who's the frankenstein guy reanimator reanimator was in it there was it's like all the yeah, all those guys. I think that's the one, but I could be wrong. But, yeah, he's, he's cool. Even in the comics, he's pretty cool. So, yeah, I like that character a lot. Sorry, I don't know how we got on that tangent, but. <laughs> that's
0: all right. Well, because, you know what, U- ultimately, I have to say, I don't think this book spawns that much discussion, purely because it is very, just, you know, more of the same right now. Uh, I think, you know, right. Bill Bill hit on what might be the one, change, the one, one thing that's gonna make it different. But otherwise, it's Lori Strode walking through Haddonfield, and, you know, she's just, you know, very unnerved by everything that's gone on, and you can almost hear all the music playing in the background, and then, you know, Michael Myers appears at some point, uh, and then the guy ends up dead, and we get Dr. Loomis. It is very derivative of what we've seen. Now, it, it may change path, uh, in issue two, as, as Bill has speculated uh, but i don't know if it's gonna or not mm. so i just have to work off this particular issue and this particular issue is very derivative
1: what was the actor's name that played dr loomis donald pleasance. donald pleasance Donald pleasance that's it all right i'm gonna i'm gonna risk ridicule for saying this i never liked him there's, I don't know, something about him just kind of creeped me out. I really don't know. I, I well, he's couldn't... a creepy guy. He well, is I, I like out.
0: him, though, I because I, I think of him he's Blofeld in You Only Live Twice. He's uh, in uh, The Great Escape. He's in Escape from New York. I, I you know, he's been we in a lot of, of movies I like Duke a lot.
2: Of New York, hey, number one. Yeah, he's the president of the United States. With a British but, accent.
1: But the only thing where I ever I, I wouldn't say liked him, I just kinda tolerated him, but I remember him in um, in Dracula seventy nine, the the Frank Langella one, he played uh, he played Mina's was it Mina's father? No, not Mina. Um Really. The other one. No, not not because that's uh Van Helsing is her father. The the other one. The one that Dracula's Lucy? Well- Lucy, yeah. Lucy's Lucy father. Oh. He ran the he ran the nut house. <laughs> Yeah. He was you right. got some splayin'
2: to do, Lucy. What are with the <laughs> bright marks on your neck?
0: Where'd you get that hickey, Lucy. I saw some hickey. <laughs> Alright, so, ultimately uh, I guess we'll read this book and we'll move on <laughs> to the next one. So, uh, cover-wise... And again, we're dealing off the main cover here. It's well drawn, but I just it just doesn't do anything for me, to be honest with you. I mean, I guess it's a painted cover actually, um, but it's just you know, it, it, there's nothing about it that makes it special. Uh, I, I guess the the you know the orange, yellow, and gold is you know brings back the feel that you know with the words Halloween over it. It does. Uh, it is evocative of that, the feel of the movie in its own way. But beyond that, it really doesn't give you any clue as to where it's going to go. Uh, it's purely a poster image, and I don't think it's an especially uh, compelling poster image. So I'm going to say a C on the cover. I just don't think it's special. The alternate covers vary, but I don't... Like I said, I think the one by uh, Scott Hampson is the best one. Uh, the ones by Tim Seeley and Ryan Brown I think are actually... Not even as good as this one. So I, I like the, the Scott Hampson one the most of the bunch. Story-wise, I keep saying the same word, derivative. It feels very derivative. Uh, I don't really see anywhere that it's... You know, that it's capturing my imagination. So I'm going to give it... I'm also going to give it a C. It's an easy read. It was, you know, fine to read through. But it just was nothing special. Uh, and art-wise... Always is where I have the toughest time because I think it's, I think the storytelling is pretty decent in it. I think it it does have almost a cinematic feel that you could just see this in film. But on the other hand, I'm not really crazy about the style. I don't like the facial renderings. Uh, I think there they're, it's it's a little inconsistent in that regard. Uh, and and so it's it's, I I and I also get you know that that's probably they didn't have the probably didn't have the right. To, to make it Jamie Lee Curtis's face, so it doesn't really look like her, to speak of. But that that in itself doesn't really bother me. Uh, it does kind of look like Donald Pleasance, though. So I don't know what yeah. the deal was on that. Um, always I'm gonna I'm also gonna I'm gonna give it C's all around. I'm gonna say it's an average book. Uh, it's not really great, and it's not bad. It's average all around. C. Okay.
1: Uh, I'll go next if you like. Um, yeah, I, like so, I like. I'm sorry.
2: I, said no, I, like. I was trying to look up uh, see if I could find a quick down and dirty synopsis for the rest of the series, and I haven't found one yet. So,
1: uh, okay. Um, go ahead. I like the cover. I mean, I, I think it's you know it's it's a good painted image. I think it gives you. It gives you exactly what it is. I mean, if you're a fan of this franchise or whatever, this would probably kind of jump off the stands at you as, ooh, you know, something new with, with Michael Myers. I, I, That's not me. I'm not that guy. But, I mean, I knew exactly what it was the moment I looked at it. And so for that aspect, you know, ho- hopefully it would sell the book, which is what the cover is supposed to do. So, I, you know, I like the use of the fire and that is, you know, that the mask is actually burning or at least the hair on the mask is, is actually burning and just that dead dead-eyed creepy stare it's it is a very creepy cover it's uh it's very halloweeny <laughs> so you know for the cover i'd say uh I'd say a b for the cover i'll be generous I, I think it's a pretty decent cover for what it is um interior art and eh, it's serviceable is the kindest thing i could say there's not anything really dynamic about it i mean it, it does the job Um, It's fairly easy to follow. There wasn't any point in it where I'm like, I didn't get that. What the hell is going on? So it is easy to follow. It's just I I don't think it's very refined. It's typical kind of indies are the only complaint I'd have with it is that um, because it's just kind of safe, simple. I'll, I'll give you an example. Like So on the page, I wish the pages were numbered. Damn it. But on the page where Lori's having a little flashback of Michael Myers fully ablaze like the Human Torch there at the top of the page, and then the art underneath it where she's talking to the, the brain-damaged kid reminds me very strongly of the art in um, Now Comics when they were doing Fright Night, which I never felt was terribly scary. It, it all was like semi-cartoony, so it it always clashed with the genre and and the stories that they were trying to tell. It never felt like it was creepy because it was a little too bright and simple. And that's what this is. And then you turn the page and it's this horrific picture of her parents dead from the automobile accident. And her mom is like all messed up. And so the the horror – I guess it's supposed to shock and it's supposed to, you know, gross you out, and it does. But for me, it's not for the reasons that they may have thought. I I found it really jarring because it's still kind of that simple, almost cartoony style, but now you're getting like a horrific image with it as well. And it just, I don't know. I I can't tell if it works or it doesn't work because I'm definitely put off by it. Um, same thing with uh, the flashback whatever it is you know reading the journal and there's the little moment where we're seeing somehow in the journal this the person relating the tale knows that Michael you know little Michael as a kid was having a fantasy of brutally murdering his mother I guess <laughs> mm-hmm. and so that image, that image is horrifying too but again not not in that like walking dead way of horrifying, but more in the in the way of wow, this was very simple, you know, kind of almost cartoony art and now it's doing this? And and yeah, so it's it's unsettling. Um which I guess kind of works for the tone of the book and everything. So but overall I, I didn't think there was anything terribly special or dynamic about it it just kind of gets you from from place to place and and tells the story so art wise I'll, i'll say a c plus i think it's a little bit better than average um but i don't know maybe something a little grittier or a little more i don't know that would feel a little bit more like a movie or maybe even something a little more noir because you know, the images I've seen and the clips I've seen and such of at least the original Halloween always struck me as very dark. Like it's a very dark movie, you know, like as far as the lighting, I mean. And so I, I know that a lot of this takes place in the daytime, so I'm not sure how you could darken it up, but just make it feel a little more ominous around the edges type of thing. Um, but anyway, uh, and then the story, uh, you know, the story was all right. I mean,. For you know, for somebody like me coming into this with with very little knowledge or understanding of what you know the prior events had been or who the characters are, I was able to follow it pretty well, and you know it was compelling enough to keep me you know turning the pages and be at least mildly curious where it goes from here. So I'll say a, I'll say a B on the story. It was okay, and now I'll give it an overall grade. I'll say a I'll say a B minus to be generous. So yeah, it was it was okay. It was a it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be because I really thought it was going to be like ooh this just isn't my my cup of tea. But it, it was okay. All right, hmm. Doc. Uh, I gotta say that the first three
2: pages of this book, uh, three or four up to the spe- uh big double splash, are pretty. The art is very uh is done very well because it opens with uh, a rabbit crossing the road, gets in the headlights, and then we go into the rabbit's eyes and we pull out on Lori's eyes. Like, she's the scared rabbit about to be, you know, because the rabbit's about to be hit by a car. She's about to be killed by uh, Jason, Michael. And then Michael (laughs) dissolves into flame like he does in the second movie. And then her, she's dead. Her eyes are cut out. Then it cuts to, like, a Raggedy Ann doll that's in her lap. And then you've got the big scene over the casket, and in the sky is like Michael Myers looking down upon everything. I think those first three or four pages are pretty good. Then it just the art doesn't keep that level up until that that pretty mangly one with the uh, with their parents in the car wreck. Um, that's pretty gruesome. Um, and then we uh, then we have the uh, the final. I guess they had the rights to Donald Pleasance to his likeness. That's what and it maybe, feels like. And maybe to Jamie Lee Curtis's breasts. Oh. <laughs> On that page, I mean, because I'm like, wow, okay, that's uh, quite the juxtaposition there between. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, and so. <sighs> Yeah, I think I'm with you guys with like a C. It's it's like a C plus for the art. There's some really good spots, but other areas bring it down. Uh, so for the story, it, oh, so the cover, yeah, the covers yeah, yeah, it's like a C. Yeah, it's nothing. It's it's I, uh, it doesn't grab me. So um, the story, the story is kind of just you know. I guess it just brings. There's a lot of exposition that brings puts all everybody that was there, where they're at, what happened to whoever, what's going on, what the backstory is. So I think the second issue or, or later would probably ramp up the action because now you've got all the exposition out of the way. That's what I would think would happen, and we would start developing the story in, in a new way with the you know the death of uh, Mister Riddle. Um, and such, so I uh, will give the story a B. So you know, C plus, B minus, for the book. All
0: right, and just to, by way of spoilers,
2: I uh, oh, would you look it up?
0: I look. I looked at the website that I got the synopsis from, and I clicked to see the synopsis of the second issue. Uh, your theory, I like your theory, but it's not correct.
2: Oh, um, why did uh, Jimmy die?
0: Jimmy, Jimmy, the, the second <laughs> book ends with Michael snapping Jimmy's neck. Oh. Uh, so that's that's that. And apparently, from everything I see online, there's never been a third issue.
2: What? It's never come Oh, out. it probably didn't sell. It probably, oh man, so it'll be a mystery. Mm-hmm. <sighs> that's it. we got to get the rights and, well, too late. They already killed Jimmy. Oh, well.
1: <laughs> Write our own book. Do you think it's because the that the first two issues just didn't sell, or is it because the company that was putting them out folded?
0: I, have, I honestly mm. have no
1: idea. I'm DDP. trying to think. That was, that's happened with something Oh, it was that um, something else we need to cover on the show sometime. What was the name of that? that book from Atlas that we read and then I ended up finding out that they rebooted it like just a couple of years ago it was it wasn't all I can think of was like crawl, but I know that wasn't the name of it. It was, it was the sword wolf. and sorcery thing. wolf. That was wolf. it. Wolf. Yeah, there was wolf. A, a, there was a big, um, you know, it was again, you know, where they were taking all their titles in their little universe and having them all cross over to like a, like a crisis type event. And they only got like two or three issues out, and then it, there's no more because the company folded. So I kind of wonder if maybe the same sort of thing happened here. Hmm. As tough as the the comic business is right now for the big two, it's I mean it's really tough for these small little in, independents like this, you know. Because this this does seem to happen where you know they'll put out a few issues of something, and then boom, they're you know they're gone. Hmm. Oh, well, that's a shame.
2: You wrote another and <laughs> you were gone. Where are we? Published tonight. Why did you You finish the story? We're all alone. I searched the world over and couldn't find issue three. You met another and <laughs> you were gone. That's for all the fans of Hee Haw out there.
1: <laughs> well, are we ready for the next book? Sure. sure.
0: Which of you use guys is going All
2: next?
1: Right. I'll go
2: next, if you like. It yeah. sounds like somebody's uh, dryer finished. <laughs> was is that you, Scott? A... No, I'm... I'm no, okay. that, was that was mine. Oh, okay. <laughs> Do you need to go get the laundry?
0: Uh, don't. Don't you worry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, so... I'm stalling for time because it just occurred to me that I forgot to write down the well, dates for my – okay, here we go. I was going to say, oh. I could just jump in if you're not ready. <laughs> All right, so uh, for my book, we are going back to 1982, the, 19, the August 1982 cover-dated first issue of DC Comics' Night Force. Uh, issue one was actually on sale, according to Mike's Amazing World of Comics, on May twentieth, nineteen eighty-two. I was all of uh, fourteen years old.
2: Did uh, oh. did like Bob? Did Bob Seger
1: sing their uh, theme? <laughs> Night Force. Oh, I, I hate that. I, I hate most Bob Seger songs. <laughs> Don't sing that; it'll get stuck in my head. <laughs> all right, so.
2: We'll blast oh, oh, what's under? Stop it. <laughs> Start humming a song from 1962
1: ain't it funny how the night force moves
2: <laughs>
1: cover on this one by Gene Colon and I
2: remember I remember
1: <laughs> alright I'll shut up <laughs> uh, Dick Giordano is the inker on the cover who uh, I wish he'd inked the, the entire book but we'll talk more about that a little bit later uh, cover on this is interesting. Um, I really don't know how to describe it, so you're just gonna have to go look it up. It's a very bizarre cover. It says first issue spectacular. Together again, Marv Wolfman and Gene Colan, and yes, we will be talking about that as well. Uh, the name of the story. You ready, Bill? It's uh, Genesis.
2: Genesis. <laughs>
1: Genesis was written by Marv Wolfman, of course, penciled by Gene Colan, inked by Bob Smith, lettered by John Costanza, colored by Michelle Wolfman, uh, Marv's wife at the time, and co-edited by Wolfman himself and Ross Andrew. Yes, that Ross Andrew. So synopsis as follows. Chapter one, The Summoning. In the wee dawn hours, two men make their way over Virginia's Arlington Bridge when a helicopter suddenly zips down out of the sky and opens fire on them, killing both men and sending their vehicle careening out of control where it smashes through the barrier and plunges into the water below. In the Potomac Psychiatric Hospital, young Vanessa Van Helsing, inmate, can't take it any longer. She is beset by a demonic force apparently only she can see or hear that taunts and threatens her. In Georgetown, Washington, Nathaniel Dusk, or I mean uh, Jack Gold, reporter for the National Chronicle, pulls up in front of a towering, creepy, gothic home and enters. He is greeted by uh, his interview subject and lord of the manor, Baron Winter, and his giant orange leopard, Merlin, whom Winter states rather matter-of-factly was given to him by the original Merlin, the wizard. Gold is instantly dismissive, confrontational, and downright rude to his host, uh, making it very clear that he thinks the occult is a lot of bunk and that the Baron is basically just a fraud. When asked how long he's been doing his thing, Winter says uh, ever since he fled Russia during the revolution in 1917, uh, to which Gold makes some statement about he couldn't possibly be that old. Gold, having done some digging into the Baron's background, uh, calls Bull on all of this, uh, but their verbal, verbal sparring is interrupted by a ringing phone, which the Baron steps away to answer. Gold, needing some fresh air, opens the back door leading out into the garden but is amazed to instead be greeted by an impossible sight, the streets of Paris in the 1800s. The baron returns and they resume their back and forth but eventually Gold gets fed up and leaves. On the drive to his motel, he laments his situation and having fallen in his profession from working for Time magazine interviewing presidents, to now working for this rag and hunting UFOs and interviewing magical quacks, he talks. Uh, he talks to who is presumably his ex-wife on the phone while he changes his shirt, bemoans his alimony payments, and then later inex- inexplicably returns to Winter's home. So he apparently just went to the motel to change his shirt. Did they rip this guy off from the Night Stalker? <laughs> Elsewhere, in an as yet undisclosed location, scientists host an orgy which summons murderous demonic entities on what appears to be Pennsylvania Avenue that kill a policeman. Back in the mental hospital, uh, Vanessa manages to escape from her orderlies and tries to leave the hospital headed for Baron Winter, but is stopped in her tracks by fear unleashed by the scientist's rituals and then recaptured. Her doctor, uh, out of treatment options, phones up the Baron who is still engaged in verbal sparring with Jack Gold. Winter suggests the doctor get in touch with Dr. Donovan Kane concerning Vanessa. Meanwhile, we learn that the aforementioned Kane and his wife are the head scientists behind the weird orgy slash ritual thing uh, that's been summoning evil forces. Apparently they believe evil is a tangible energy force that they hope to learn to tap and control because that always works really well. (laughs) Uh, As they clock out for the day and head to their vehicle, they are met by Carrie James and Trevor Simmons. The two men we saw murdered by the helicopter and plunged to a watery grave in the opener of the book. The men say they've been assigned as Kane's bodyguards. They are observed by the young red-headed woman on Kane's research team, who then phones someone and reports that Kane doesn't seem to suspect a thing. Back at the nuthouse, Gold arrives and meets with Vanessa's doctor about talking to the girl. She takes him right in to see the patient, because that's how loony bins work, and while they talk, Donovan Kane shows up with release papers and takes the girl with him to the college where he wires her up to his tap-into-evil experiment to measure the energy she releases or attracts, believing her to be a psychic magnet. They begin the process again, and short moments later, yet another innocent victim is munched by demonic forces. We end with the Baron and Merlin walking the grounds of his estate, and Winter states that it begins. My players are in place. I've pulled all the correct strings, and now the rest is up to fate. Come, my friend, he says to the cat. Let us await that fate together. And that's the first issue of Night Force. What did you guys think? Very strange. That's
0: <laughs> an apt description. Um, I I I kind of felt like it was the kind of book that you almost have to be in it for the long haul.
1: Mm-hmm. The, yeah.
0: That reading an issue of it is it just isn't going to really serve much purpose.
1: Yeah. So, so,
0: you know, it, it's in, in its own way, and I think this is kind of a, almost strange to say this this way, but in its own way, you know, we had uh, Tomb of Dracula by Wolfman and, and Colin. And in a lot of ways, that was the same thing. If you read one issue of Tomb of Dracula, it really didn't do it for you. You needed to get involved in the overall storyline and keep reading it. To really get something out of it, and I get the feeling that this is the same kind of thing. I think the the main character, uh, the, what's his name? Was Michael Aaron Winter? Uh, yeah, Michael. Uh, what's what's the actor's name, Bill?
2: Bob uh, from
0: uh, Man yes. of Steel.
2: Michael Shannon.
0: Michael Shannon. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think he he actually could be an interesting character over time, because it sounds like he's yeah. the thing. You know, everybody reads into Reed Richards and uh, Professor Xavier about how they manipulate people and how they're, you know, they're not the nice guys that they're presented to be. But I, I you know, as a kid, I always had a, a tough time accepting that because they always seemed so benevolent to me, uh, and I always, I always felt, for better or for worse, that they had good intentions. But of, but for this guy, I'm not so sure.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he seems like he might be a little bit sketchy, and you're not really sure at the at least at the end of this issue, you're not really sure what's his motivations. Uh, is he evil? Is he you know on the good side? Yeah, you don't really know too much about him. That was kind of my problem with the whole thing. Not that I didn't enjoy it, don't get me wrong. I, I'm intrigued by it. But I think what you said, Paul, is is right on the nose that this is kind of one of those things where, yeah, I, I think you've got to right out of the gate. If it grabs you at all, then you've got to make the commitment to stick with it, which is one of the the things that uh, Wolfman has this really nice write up at the very end of the book. That uh, you know, back in these days, they would often talk about the origins of the book for like the first couple of issues until letters started to come in that they could publish in the letters column. And Wolfman goes into exactly that, the origins of the book, you know, why they're doing what they're doing. And then at the at the very end of it, he puts out almost a plea to give us several issues. So I think maybe he he realized that this first issue alone might not be enough to, like, completely grab you. this,
0: This came out the time when, you know, when Marvel started doing, you know, graphic novels. I don't know exactly. You know, time-wise, where this would fall in, say, comparison to the death of uh, Captain Marvel, or uh, you know, the the various other things that were coming out in the graphic novels. But this feels like it might have been better served if the first issue was a graphic novel, you know, double, triple the length, uh, in on a high-quality printing, and and if if you got into it, you would give, you know, you almost by by necessity have to give it a full chance
1: it's funny you say that because I, so I sat down and I read this first issue today and I, and I walked away from it going, well, that was interesting, but I, I didn't feel like it was like enough, you know, it, like it didn't completely grab me. I'm committed now just simply for the fact that I recently acquired the entire run and now I can sit down and, and read it, you know, start to finish. But if I, if this were, you know, if, if this was 1982 and I just picked this up off the stands, I don't know that I'd come back because it was like, yeah, it was all right, but it, it doesn't feel like a story. It doesn't feel like a complete issue. I had completely forgotten that, do you remember back during this time in the 80s, um, DC would do previews in the middle of a, uh-huh. a, like a given book? Like, There's an issue of like Justice League of America, for example, that has a preview for the All-Star Squadron.
0: Right, and, and it was, uh, the New Teen Titans were previewed in, was it DC Comics Presents?
1: Yes, yep, number like 26, because I'm still chasing that damn issue. Um, this, Night Force, was actually previewed in New Teen Titans number 21, I want to say. Um, and I'd forgotten that. Hmm. So I went back and looked at that, because that it was a precursor to this. And I'm telling you, if they would put those two stories together, maybe made this first issue like a first issue, you know, double size special to kick the whole thing off. I think it would have worked so much better because the first, you know, that preview in itself is kind of the same flavor as this. It's, it's not a whole story. Um, but I think if you married the two of them up, that then you have enough to where. Again, I I don't know that even the two of them together are necessarily a full story, but at least you get more of all the players, Um, particularly the Baron, because his first appearance in the preview starts with him. Actually, he's back in time, sitting with like some king, um, and he makes a comment about it being 600 years prior to his own time or something. And then while he's sitting there conversing with this king and they're at like a it's like a jousting tournament or something, he hears a phone ringing that only he can hear. And he excuses himself from the king, walks through a doorway and he's back into his mansion again. And that was pretty cool and pretty intriguing. Whereas in the actual first issue, all we get was that little glamp, uh, glimpse that Gold has of Paris in the 1800s. So you, you get a little sense that something's funny about the mansion, but not, not a, as big a sense as like that preview with, with uh, the Baron actually able to walk through time by going through doors in his mansion. That's a pretty cool concept. And that, that kind of grabbed me right there. And you realize that there's something to this guy. Um, There was uh, another bit of intrigue with uh, an assassination attempt on gold and, and, you know, just different things. So a little more insight into the characters and there was a much better introduction to, uh, to Dr. Kane where you learn right out of the gate that, that he's the guy behind these experiments and exactly what the, the point of the experiments are, whereas you don't get that. So, if you went into this series just at number one, not having read that preview, I don't, I don't know that you're getting enough of the story to really know or be invested at least right from the first issue in these characters. Um, it, it, it felt very incomplete to me until I went back and read that preview issue. You know huh. which issue off the top of your head that is roughly? Huh. New New Teen Titans twenty one, I believe. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, I got that. Um, I I have not read the other issues. Like I said, I recently, you know, I've been chasing this series for years. You know, just out of pure curiosity, but it was one of those things where I wasn't going to pay much for it. So I've been chasing it in like the fifty cent bins, and I finally got all the issues not long ago. And there's only I think fourteen issues. Um, I don't know a lot about it other than I'm led to believe that it got canned before it got to tell the story that, that Colin and, uh, and Wolfman really wanted to tell. So I'm I'd be curious now to sit down and read it and see, you know, is it a satisfying read? Hopefully it doesn't end on a cliffhanger or something like that. Um, I know that, uh, there were like, there is a night force volume two. I don't know much about it. I have like, I think one issue in my collection, cause it was a crossover with something else. And the art was abysmal. Um, so I don't I don't know that the entire story as intended by Wolfman ever ever played out or not, but I, I'm curious to check it out because you know I, I got a real Tomb of Dracula vibe off this just by the the style of the writing, the characters, and of course the art, which I have to admit I think is a little bit just a little bit subpar for uh, for Colin who I i really like i mean i seriously dig gene Colon, but i don't know if it's the inks or what but i, I felt like this this was a little lacking compared to some of his other work i'm um, not familiar with bob but, smith
0: the anchor yeah uh, i did find later in Colon's career and this is somewhat later it's not you know much later but as it went on his pencils seemed to get a little looser and looser uh, to you know yeah. th- that he would need a, a stronger inker, not so much a stronger inker who was going to apply his own, uh, you know, style over colon style, which I don't think would ever work because Colin's style is so distinctive. Uh, but a strong inker that's not going to just that's that's going to take his time to you know to clean up the image a little bit.
1: I get the sense from this that. That's kind of what's happening here is that Bob Smith may be cleaning it up to the detriment of the art. Because Colin, especially when he's working in dark stuff like this, has has a very surreal, wispy quality to his artwork. Because right around this same time, I mean, this is 1982. I'm pretty sure that's the exact same time that he was doing like the Phantom Zone miniseries. And that is awesome. Um, that's him and Tony DiZaniga, who, who me, you know, they mesh perfectly, those two. I mean, they were a, a fantastic art team put together because their their styles are very complementary of one another. And I think DiZaniga really understood um, Colin's strength with the weird and the, and the wispy and the creepy kind of quality to his art, especially when he was doing something that was you know, horror or like Phantom Zone is kind of like borderline horror this here. Um, again, I'm not terribly familiar with Bob Smith either, but I just get the sense that he's doing straight up comics. If you know what I mean? Like, like straight up mainstream. And that's not really colon. He's not really straight up mainstream. I mean, he can do mainstream, but that's not what this title is. This title is supposed to be, uh, you know, Gothic, noir, you know, just creepiness and so I, I get the sense he's he's kind of you know smoothed the edges a little bit too much if you know what i mean but it's it's not bad i mean i i do enjoy it and i'm not sure that the colors are always uh, necessarily complementary to, uh, to the land go- yeah, yeah. Um, it's a little, just, bland, a little bland is plain.
0: fine for a uh, for a you know for a, a gothic feel but there's a lot of yellow despite the blandness
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I I think a little too much use of yellow in it. I I think – but if if you look at the artwork on each page and you break it down in your mind page by page, I think the layouts are fine. Yeah. I think even the the rough images aren't bad. I just think it's just not playing out as as nicely as I expect a colon book to. Now, just looking – page seven, the very first panel, that looks like a poorly inked panel to me.
1: It's sloppy. The page face. seven, you said.
0: Page seven of the story. The first panel.
1: Um, yeah, that looks like a sloppily yeah. inked page, right? A uh, panel to me. Uh,
0: even even the, the the first panel of page eight of, uh, you know, the the uh, Michael Shannon picture of uh, of the Baron, you know, the, the, the left side of his face doesn't look quite right. Uh, it it does it, it almost i don't know if it looks like it's rushed or if it looks like the this particular inker didn't know how to handle somebody with a style as distinctive as Colin uh, i do you know i do like the images where there's the shadowy figures you know the the the, the demonist figures uh, and they're inked in a totally different way you know to make them look shadowy like the ones that the girl is seeing yeah uh, looking at, what is that, page five. So, I mean, I like that. I like the way that, that appears. And I think it has the, the, you know, the nice gothic feel to it there. Uh, you know, but, but, I mean, Colin's style is so distinctive that, you know, you could just tell that it's him. Um, it's just, I don't know. I, I, I think it's a lack of familiarity with these characters that makes it a little harder. And of course in the first issue you're not supposed to have the familiarity yet, but I almost feel like they, they should do a better job of introducing them and maybe that's you know that kind of goes to what we were talking about all along where you know this this is something where it kind of requires you to have read more than one issue to really get a feel for it and I don't know that that was the way to go. Right think i think, I I think, think wolfman was, needed to, to write a better introduction to the characters to hook the reader
1: I, I think having a little bit a, a little clearer understanding of what's going on um, and i you know maybe it's one of those things where he you know it'll be dribbled out over time but some, it needs a hook it needs a hook that I'm not sure that it has because this first issue really concentrates on getting the gang together but you don't really understand what's the gang getting together for you, you know that there's intrigue you know that there's an, a, you know, an, an, a, a shadowy organization that's doing sinister things behind the scenes that's keeping tabs on all these people you know that the Baron has a, has a purpose and a, and a reason why he wants to draw these people together to him and make this team but beyond that you don't know anybody's motivations and, and that's kind of important. You you need a reason to care about them forming a team to you know <clears throat> pardon me to understand what the stakes are, are you know in this whole it, thing. It, it so.
0: feels like it almost would have been better off if we had been given a mystery that needed to be solved and we were introduced to Baron Winter and none of the other characters and kind of leave off the issue with baron winter's gonna put put the band together
1: yeah because at the end of the day he's you know especially walking away from you know the preview and this first issue he's honestly the only one of these characters i care about at least at this point now you know maybe these other characters flesh out a little bit better and we learn cool things about them and maybe they're very interesting but you know as i get to the end of what is you know including the preview what is essentially two issues i don't really care about any of these people except the baron because he's cool you know he, there's something something's going on with this guy that i want to learn more about you know just the simple fact that he, he's either extremely long-lived or he's some sort of a time traveler or maybe both or he's I don't crazy. Know. or he's crazy yeah um yeah, I, I, I
0: think you could have focused the first issue on the mystery and him and nothing else. And I think it would have been more of a hook.
1: Yeah. But as it is, I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued enough to go forward, which, you know, ultimately that, that always plays into our grades. You know, did we like it enough to keep going? Yeah, I'll keep going. It, it helps that I have the whole run too. You know, if, if this was just something I snagged out of a 50 cent bin and didn't have any of the other issues, that might, might be a different story, but, um, it was it was interesting. I'm intrigued. Um, the only other thing I really got on this is uh, you know I, I made a little joke in my synopsis about Jack Gold being uh, you know mistaking him for uh, Nathaniel Dusk. Now Nathaniel Dusk was not created yet; he comes along later, but they, they could be twins. <laughs> now that's a book I'm curious. Either you guys ever read uh, Nathaniel Dusk?
0: I haven't. I've heard good things about it actually, but I've never that's... read it.
1: So good, so good. Is he like a detective slash vampire he, yeah. hunter? Not a vampire. No, he was just a. It was a detective. It was a. Uh, what do they call that? A like noir. Was oh, it like yeah. My camera? Yeah, yeah. Was
2: but that it, Gene Colan that
1: drew it? Yes. Yep. Ah. I forget who wrote it. I can't. I, I don't think Gene wrote it. I could be wrong about that, but um, one of the things that that made that such a big deal at the time was that was the very first time that – I don't know if it's the very first time it ever happened in comics, but it was the very first time that DC Comics ever published art straight from the pencils. So it is not inked. Um, Colin drew it, and then it has like a – I think it's watercolor, like like paint – I think it's painted over it instead of being inked, something like that. There was, there was some new thing he was experimenting with art wise and the printing process had finally gotten refined enough to where DC felt confident trying to publish it that way. And it's cool. It has a really neat look to it. Cause it's very unique or at least it was at the time, you know, there'd never really been anything that, that looked like that.
0: He was and, uh, created by, uh, what's it, Don McGregor and, uh,
1: Don McGregor, that's right, yeah, yeah, it's good. There, there was actually two. There are two four-issue miniseries. Um, the first one's better, uh, but they're both really good. But yeah, it's, it's funny because you can find that, or at least you used to be able to. I don't, I'm not sure where it's at price-wise now, but I know for years I had seen those in fifty-cent bins. I don't know if you can still get it on the cheap or not, but uh, or if it's ever been reprinted, I don't know. Uh, but I'd highly recommend it, at least the first miniseries. It, it was good. I really enjoyed it. And that's, that's one I've been meaning to go back and reread again one of these days. But it was good stuff. Um, this, uh, speaking of reprints, uh, I'm glad I remembered th- to mention this. This recently got collected, um, all 14 issues and the preview. So the whole story's been collected in, I, I think it's a trade, you know, like one of those big thick trades. Like I essential? wouldn't Yeah. No, it's not an essential though, because it's in color and everything. But I wouldn't recommend it. And here's why. Um, on the modern paper, the brightness of this, um, cleaned up, you know, art wise and, and being presented on the, the bright, modern, glossy paper, doesn't oh, work for this. Yeah. It looks terrible hunt down the single issue, spy it that way. Cause I, I really feel it like in this particular instance, that's the way it needs to be seen. That's the way it's meant to be seen. Sometimes these modern reprintings of, of classic stuff like this, something's lost when it gets cleaned up to the point that there's no like grit to it. It just doesn't look like classic comics anymore. It looks shitty because it's too, too clean. If you know what I mean? It, it kind of, Points out the, you know, the the lacking qualities of the printing process of the day. It, it like laser focuses that, it makes it look bad. And uh, yeah, I was thumbing through that recently, and it just I was really struck by, wow, I I couldn't read. I mean, no wonder kids today have a, a low opinion of some of the classic stuff like this, because it looks like shit when it gets reprinted, you know, with the modern process. So. Yeah, if you're so, interested, in, so hunt it, hunt it down in the classic form. So what you're saying is get all the single issues? Yeah, definitely. All the single issues?
2: Yeah. All the single issues. All the single issues.
0: <laughs> God, That's man. A real. He could, it's our own version of having Beyonce here. <laughs>
2: it's
0: like Beyonce. say
2: <laughs> <B-L-say. laughs> You should see me in a gold LeMay dress. Mm. I think I may
0: have. (laughs) (laughs) So, are we going to rate this
1: one? (laughs) Yes. Uh, All right. Before this goes any Uh, further, (laughs) I do not like the cover um, for a number of reasons. I I don't. You didn't
2: really describe the cover. uh, I, I don't know how to describe. It's indescribable. Okay, so it's it's got a square. It's got a white background. I mean, it's like a mostly white background. you got Night Force with a skull in the middle of the O with a force. And then you've got, like, you're looking at Baron Winter as if you're seeing him on a TV screen, like, with lines all through his face. And then coming from the – he's holding a platform in his hands. Like, his hands are raised up in front of him, chest height, and there's a platform there. And in the center of this platform is a pentagram. And in the center of the pentagram are the three other members of what I assume will become Night Force. Van Helsing's in the middle. She on fire! And then there's like orange clouds of, of smoke coming from around her and the platform obscuring behind the Baron a little bit in front of him. And then to the left and the right are the other two guys, which I can't remember their names off the top of my head. <laughs> and they're like kind of just standing there on the platform. One guy's going towards her. The other one's staring at us, the reader. And that's pretty much it. I find it's a rather interesting cover. Oh, okay. It is rather eye-catching. It's like, ooh, that's kind of different.
1: Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's different. All right. Um, I just, with the way he's holding the the little disc platform thing, Coupled with the orange smoke, it makes him look like his head's detached from his body. It it, it, it looks does. Like two different yeah. images. It almost looks like the the plate or the platter or whatever the platform is sitting like essentially where his neck should start. So it's almost like that's the head, and then he, he's like disembodied watching this happen. It's it's a very weird image, and then the the way it. The smoke is makes him look like he has a Dracula um, collar. Well, oh yeah, well he does wear a cape in the book.
2: Yeah, so it, that could just be his cape. But you know yeah. what's interesting is though is that she's the light source, and it does reflect on his face and his hands. That she's, yeah. you know, that that is. I mean, it's you know, it's not just thrown together.
1: No, I, I'm sure some real thought went into it and everything. I just, I don't know. For me, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't really work. And definitely, you know, anytime you throw anything satanic on the cover of the book, you know, back in the eighties, like, there's no way in the world that, uh, that I was bringing that in the house, you know? So <laughs> there's, there's that working against it too. So, yeah. And so I'm not crazy about the cover at all. Um, I'm going to say, uh, uh, I think I'm actually gonna go a C minus. I'm tempted to go much lower on it, but I'm gonna go a C minus because it do- it doesn't sell it for me at all. It, it actually kind of puts me off from it. Like, no, nah, I don't think so on that. Um, interior art. I, I mean, I like it because I, I you know I love me some Gene Cullen, but I, I just between the weird coloring that it so much of the book is just too bright. Uh, And I mean, you know, the use of colors and everything is just too bright. Um, Coupled with, I don't think Smith has a handle on inking Gene Colon yet. Uh, Those two factors, you know, knock it down a bit for me. I don't think there's anything wrong with Colon. I I think, I really think it's the inks and the colors. Um, So, artwork, you know, art wise, I'm going to say. I'm gonna say a B minus on the art because um, I, I just I know I've definitely seen much better from him. I mean, at this time, like I say, he was doing Phantom Zone, which I hold in extremely high regard, uh, art-wise and, and everything. So, yeah, this just isn't where it needs to be. Hopefully, you know that gets remedied in later issues. And then story-wise, uh that's the toughest one of all to grade cuz I don't feel like it is much of a story so far. It's it's meeting people. Um it's introducing us to the characters sort of, but not fully enough to where anybody really feels like a fully formed character yet. I don't really you still don't really at the end of the issue know who anybody is and exactly what their deal is. So you know, story-wise, it it kind of fails. Um, I, again, for me, the, the only thing that's that's really got me intrigued enough to want to keep going is the Baron himself. He's he's cool. Um, the rest of it's just people, you know. And we need to learn more about them before we care about them, if if we're gonna come to care about them, or even to understand why why is anybody doing what they're doing? Why should we care? um so on that level i'm gonna say i'm gonna say honestly i think a c plus it's it's okay um but if it wasn't for the cool factor of the of the baron this would be easily just okay i read it and i don't think i want to read anymore type of thing so overall grade of uh i think i'm gonna give it a c plus for a grade. it's it's okay all
0: right i think i'm I think li- well, I I know I like the cover more than you. Uh, I think it kind of gives the feeling of what exactly what you're uh, what you're going to get inside. I think it's I think it's fairly well drawn. I think, you know, it gives you that gothic feel. It shows you, you know, the characters a little bit. Uh, I don't know. I think it's a B cover actually. Uh, the interior art I'm not quite as high on because it, it I think you're right. I think uh, Bob Smith really just didn't have a handle on how to ink Gene Colan because I think Gene Colan requires somebody who's, who's going to embellish his work but not change it. and uh, It's too inconsistent in the way it's inked as far as I'm concerned. So it's not bad. It just isn't as good as it could be. So I'm going to say a C+. Plus on the uh, interior art and story wise I think, I think Wolfman could have done a much better job of introducing of like we said earlier, hooking the reader uh, so I'm going to say a C minus on the story because I think it, it really could have just been so much better uh, and overall I'll give the book a C plus
2: uh, uh, I would give the cover a B I like the cover I have no, no major qualms with it uh, interior. I've not read a lot of Tomb of Dracula, but what I've seen, I know it can be better than what I see here. Um, so, yeah, C+, plus and the story, this, there's a lot of like we've, got, it's interesting. It, we have the science mixed with magic. Of course, being funded by the military, nothing ever goes wrong with that. Like you said in your synopsis, I'm sure everything will be fine. Um, uh, I'm gonna give it a B for the story, so uh, it's like creeping into the B, the B level for me, for the book. B for the book.
0: All right, so that's our Halloween show,
2: but. Oh, but 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 but
0: what?
2: But I got a book, but it's late.
0: I thought you read your book already.
2: No, (laughs)
0: the night was moist,
2: and I just closed my book (laughs) by accident. (laughs) Hold on, I gotta reopen my book. Do
0: we do we have time to do your book, or are we saving it till next time? Because the way Uh, you just said that, it's up to you.
2: Uh,
0: You're, you're the one who has to get out of the house for work in the morning.
2: Yeah, it's not. I'll let you
0: make the call if you want. We can carry it over till next time. And if you don't want, we can. No,
2: no, because it's really not a uh, it's really not. I have a quick synopsis and then we can just make some observations because there's, you know, it's a lot of big, big, fancy splash pages. I just need to reopen it. Hold on.
0: Fancy schmancy.
2: Fancy schmancy pages. So I am bringing to the fold uh, deceased. Number one. And uh, Scott was kind enough to give me – what you when you brought over to help me sort the comic books, there was a um, – uh, it was like a preview or something of it. It was like a free issue of it or something. Or was it the number yeah, one, I'm I not, think?
1: I, so, I'm not even sure where I got it, to be honest with you. It was just something I, I absorbed from somewhere. Absorbed.
0: So the, the name of this book isn't DC Zombies?
1: No,
2: although I have a – I have a comment on that because that's that's kind of what it is, and also with the plot. But let me read the plot. So the plot, the plot, the plot, the plot, the plot. Let me get to my plot. Uh, When did this book come out? This book came out in uh, last year, May of uh, 2019 was when number one came out. So quick little down to a little quick quick blur before i do the synopsis uh this this story takes this is on an alternate earth so it's not our earth well thank thank god because well, a lot of people die where a corrupted version of the anti-life equation has infected most of earth's inhabitants with a zombie-like virus lois lane acts as the series narrator de- detailing how the events took place over the course of a few weeks so we jump into the first issue <clears throat> in the oh wait um yeah written by tom taylor artist is greg capullo penciler is trevor harrisine harcene anchors and stuff stefano (laughs) gardiano it's james Heron letters ken lopez colorist rain Brito and editor is ben abernathy all right the plot In the aftermath of a battle between the Justice League and the forces of Apocalypse, Darkseid leaves Earth and Batman discovers that Cyborg is being held on Apocalypse. There, he is being tortured by Desaad, who reveals that the Anti-Life Equation has been living in his cybernetic body. In order for Cyborg to survive the extraction, the Black Racer is summoned. However, this causes the Equation to become corrupted and Cyborg is sent back to Earth in order to prevent the virus from spreading. This action comes too late, however, as Darkseid is driven mad, 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 I tell you, by the corruption and throws himself into Apocalypse's core, destroying himself and the planet in the process. Cyborg is sent to Metropolis, where the virus latches onto the Internet. See, Scott, the Internet, I told you it's going to be the end of everything and begins to infect people with a techno-organic viral version of the equation. This causes people to suffer violent transformations, turning them into a zombie-like state. Yeah, like it doesn't do that already. Superman is reunited with Lois Lane, his son Jonathan, and a visiting Damian Wayne, destroying all the screens in their apartment to prevent infection. He then, later, in the Batcave, the Batcomputer's firewall prevents Bruce from becoming infected, But it is too late to stop the infection of both Nightwing and Red Robin. Yum. Who fight Batman while he tells Alfred to run. That's the end of uh, uh, issue one.
1: Uh
2: (laughs) So anybody here ever read the book or seen the movie Cell?
0: Oh, I read the book Cell, yeah.
2: Isn't that what this plot is?
0: You know what I, I didn't make the connection because of all the Stephen King books that I've read and I've read many mm-hmm. that was one of the ones that I felt was the least creative
2: I read that on a like a plane it was so quick like like a plane ride for just a few hours I burned right through it because it was just everybody gets infected by nobody knows why it's never really explained it's just something that gets downloaded over the phones and people lose their mind lose their shit and turn into like crazy fast running zombies and just beating up everything, and that's kind of what this is. Except, I mean, it is interesting that the anti-life equation infects all the devices and spreads itself. But I, you know, I, I was a little confused at first. I had to read it a few times to figure out. Okay, when they summon the black, so they summon the black racer to prevent because they're going to extract the equation, but they don't want Cyborg to die in the process because he might die before they can extract the whole equation is what I gathered. So they summon the black racer to suspend death so that they can get everything out of him and get the whole of the rest of the equation. But in doing so, the equation gets corrupted and dark side goes nuts, uses omega beams inside the core of the planet, blows up apocalypse. And then, but uh, Dasad tries to beam cyborg away which then just dooms the earth to, you know, a lot of bad stuff. So have either of you read this or known anything about this prior to this?
0: I had heard about this one a while ago, and I had heard people really talking it up, and I had thought I would seek it out at some point. Uh, But now I... I just read the, you know, I hadn't read anything, and now because you picked this today, I read it today. And I gotta say, I'm I'm not as intrigued by it as I thought I would be based upon the advanced buzz that I heard.
2: Yeah, it was all when I first saw it, I just kinda rolled my eyes and I was like, Really? DC's Somebody artist, had told like, this me is...
0: about it and and I said, so it's DC's version version of Marvel Zombies. Yeah. And the person who told me about it said, Yes, but it's better done than Marvel Zombies. And I'm not so sure it is. At least based on the first issue. I thought Marvel Zombies was a nice, comfortable read, you know, comfortable read about zombies, but still a comfortable read. This just kind of felt, I don't know, this felt like it plotted a little.
2: Uh, I don't know about plotted. I haven't read beyond this. Um, At some points, it seems like the – I, when they get to Apocalypse, the art kind of changes –
0: well, there's two different artists that are oh, credited with the book.
2: Oh, okay. All right. So I, I think that's the
0: point. And yeah, the art on Apocalypse, I think, is, is at least from my viewing of it, is vastly inferior to the other art.
2: Yes, I I would agree. And uh, the opening splash where Superman's punching Darkseid in the jaw, you know, at first I was kind of like, well, I don't know if I really like the like – the, physique on superman but then i the more i look at it i think well it's more like a christopher reeve type physique more thin streamlined and not barrel chested although his hips are kind of he's kind of hippie
0: well he's kind of his hips are kind of turn strange yeah his lower body looks like it's facing directly towards dark side while while his upper body is is askew
2: yeah yeah and then this this is like an alternate earth, I guess, which is why Wonder Woman's outfit's a little bit different than we're nor, nor, used to seeing. But it, I like it's it's a pretty cool outfit. I like that uh, she's got the cape, which I don't really remember her having a cape a lot. Do you?
0: Once in a while, but not yeah, a, not a uh, not consistently.
2: But there's some nice little touches like, you know, they've got the lasso on him to compel him to t- tell the truth, but he just takes it off and he's like. Yeah, I'm done here. I don't need to come back. I got what I came for. Bye, bye, bye. This is all a distraction, basically, just so he could um, whisk Cyborg away. And there's a nice little exchange between, you know, Batman's like, Victor's, you know, Vic's not not on the planet, and and you know, they're like, well, how do you know that? Well, because I have a tracker on him. And they're, and th- th- this is the the same Batman that you know. Kind of like in the past uh, on our Earth, you know, had the the stuff that Raza Ghoul co opted to, uh, to take down the Justice League. You know, he's got contingency plans. He doesn't trust anybody. And then they asked him, they're like, you know, do you have a tracker on Superman? And he pauses and says, no. <laughs> so, yeah, but then when we jump to Apocalypse, I do not like the art. It's not even, I don't want to even say that it's a it's an homage to Kirby because it just doesn't, I don't like it. It's, I don't know. Maybe It's different. I don't like things that are different. Um, yeah, I'm not really keen. I mean, at, at first I kind of thought, oh, well that's interesting. You're infecting through the internet, but I'm like, no, wait a minute. Yeah, that's right. I read that in that Stephen King book. So this isn't as, you know, inventive as I thought. But then again, Everything can't be new.
0: It's not uh, to be new, but it should be... I don't know. I, I, I didn't feel this This was compelling to me. And I think it should feel compelling.
2: You said it didn't or it did? It did not. Oh, okay. I, it's got moments. But not enough for... To keep me... Like, uh, Superman says he hears, he hears screaming. And then he goes out and says, The world is screaming. And then he, th- he thinks of... Uh, he sees what's going on, and and, and he runs to the Lois and his son and uh, saves them. And then, uh, of course, Batman's got, you know, he's firewalled. He's saved himself off from the world. he's uh, The house is still connected to the Internet, but he has an EMP in his own mansion that takes out the mansion. And then uh, he goes and finds that uh, Nightwing and Red Robin have gone Looney Tunes and are biting the crap out of them. And, uh, like, the last the last shot is Nightwing ripping out, uh, tearing at uh, uh, Bruce's throat, kind of ripping the cowl and scratching his chest. So I'm assuming Batman's going to become infected. But if, if it's infected, see, that's what I'm not sure from reading this first episode. Do you only get infected... From reading the equation and these people like Batman is just going to die and not be infected. Like, is it a disease or is it like a mental thing with the equation? That's what I don't quite understand. Any you got any in, in, insight from what you read? No, I, I don't really know. OK,
0: I assume I mean, that just, Batman is a zombie now that he's been bitten.
2: Yeah, but that doesn't make any sense. Why would biting someone make them? Because it's it's the anti-life equation has infected them through technology. So how could it be biological? How could it even do plot. that? Or I he's going to
0: tear Batman to shreds. Uh, but- yeah.
2: Mm. Yeah, because that was the thing with Cell. I don't think people actually, unless you like pick, because in the book Cell, you had to actually pick up. You had to be on some type of device or pick up a phone and it would like rewire your brain and make you highly violent. But there was no real infection. It was just... The danger was crazy people attacking you and staying away from them. There was no viral component to it. So... I mean, it's a pretty quick book. Some of the art's good. Some I don't like. Uh... You know, because it's a modern book, so there's it's pretty fast. Trying to see if there's anything else that's jumping out at me. That's why I say we could do my book because it wasn't going to be that long. You guys have anything to to bring to the table on this? How much was this? Uh, Oh, I'm sure it was uh, $4.99.
1: Yeah, I'm. I couldn't a, a price on it. Of course, I'm you know I'm looking at it as a digital, so I maybe that's why. Well, because
2: I had the copy that you gave me that was like a reprint or like a you know like a solicitation type thing. Yeah, uh, was how I originally read it. And then um,
1: I like, think I got that for free at a comic shop. I think somebody slid it. You know, I went to a comic shop, bought some issues, and I think it was one of those where they slide you stuff, you know, mm-hmm. to get you interested or whatever, and. I think that's how I came across it. I really don't know. I didn't read it. I just kind of thumbed through it. Yeah. Uh, having having read that, I don't know. I, I, I've i been quiet about this one for a reason. I, I don't want to be, I don't know. I don't want to be that guy. But, I mean, well, this you know, one thing- is exactly why I don't read DC these days. <laughs> that's the well- kindest thing I can say about it.
2: One other thing about this that also got this back on my radar is I was going through different sites on YouTube uh, just you know there's different things that I'm you know that I follow or watch and one of the things off to the side they have the recommended stuff and they're like oh recommended DC's part 1 so I was like well let me just watch that I watched this guy's YouTube video and I don't see now, I'm not one that's, you know, pro big companies, you know, like stick it to the man, you know, or just, yeah, let's just stick it to the big co- But at the same time, I'm not, you know, for them or against them, what whatever. They serve a purpose, but I can't see it, it with the things that YouTube has supposedly been cracking down on. I can't see how things like this have gotten past them. This guy did a panel by panel. Now, granted, he does it and the panels are like moving up and down through the page like he's going here looking at this one. It kind of pans in, it pans out, and he's describing and he's telling the whole story of this whole first issue and covers the entire thing. So if I didn't want to, I could just watch his video and not even go out and buy it. And I'm like, how are you getting away with this? And they're not dinging you. I'm not going to say who it is, but how are you getting away with basically pre- presenting DC's book verbatim, panel for panel, talking about the dialogue, and nobody is like – because there's so many things. Like if you use music, copyrighted music, this and that, do they just not care? Do they figure, hey, if maybe if this will garner an interest and somebody will buy it from this, great, or – I just don't get it. I don't understand how some sites can just get away with that. I mean, and I I don't know if he's soliciting money for it. I I don't. This is the first time I'd even gone on this particular site. I know some places, you know, oh, visit my Patreon and this and that. So I, I, I guess if you're trying to monetize yourself and you're using a copyrighted material, I could see where it could be an issue, but I, I, i maybe, yeah, but that's... I don't
1: know. I mean, I don't, I don't know how it works for comics, but I've noticed on like videos these days, like Blu-rays and, and different things that part of the verbiage these days for copyright infringement states right on there that they're going to come after you, whether you're making any money on it or not. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. you know, something in the verbiage says something about whether or not for monetary gain, so, yeah, you know, just the simple fact that, you know, if you're right and this guy's going through, you know, printed material page by page and panel by panel. Yeah, that I would think that that's some sort of copyright violation. I'm surprised he gets away with it. But, you know, it might be just one I of mean, those things where he's sliding under the, the radar at the moment. But if he gets big enough or gets pointed out by somebody, then I would imagine they'd put a, a kibosh on it. But then again, maybe not. You know, I've. That's one of those things I've noticed over the years is that, unlike the movie companies and the music industry and everything, comic books don't—they don't seem to me, at least on the surface, they don't seem like they're near as uh, militant, militant and defending their copyrights as these. And maybe it's because they're a smaller thing. But you know, just for example, I, I see a lot of comic book art used around by, like, local businesses and stuff. I remember Dude, I, you ain't kidding, because I, I, I tried to take a picture
2: to show you. I was sitting at a light, and there's a van pulls up next to me, and I look, and I do a double take. It is Superman doing a shirt rip, and the only thing that's different is that they changed the logo inside the shirt from an S to whatever their air conditioning company is. And I'm like, how the F do yep.
1: you get away with that? There was a gym when we lived over – where was that? Oh, that was when we lived in Georgia. When we lived in Georgia, a couple of towns away from us, there was a gym that was Super Something Gym. I can't remember what the name of it was now. And they were using Superman's S-shield for the letter S in the word super. So they were, you know, they were calling attention to the fact that it was super as in Superman with the shield and everything right in the logo of their business. Um, Here in the local Orlando area, there's a cleaning company that their mascot is uh, Joe Schuster's leaping Superman from the cover of Superman number one. From nineteen was that nineteen thirty nine? You know the one where he's leaping yeah. and he's got his arms out. It's almost like a Christ-like image or something. It's that just recolored. I, I think he's like green and white or something. has he got and a bucket a, and a mop in his hand. Something, yeah, something <laughs> like that, or a vacuum cleaner or something like that. And then there's a. I don't even know what the hell they sell. There's right near this little diner that we like. There's another sign. I almost took a picture of it the other day and put it up on social media, and then I just didn't. Um, but they have uh, a 90s Superman um, on the sign for their business. And I think the only thing that's different is uh, he's uh, the blue is a little bit darker, and he has a different letter on his chest. I think instead of an S, it's an H or something like that. Mm. Um, I was going to take a picture of it and see if anybody could identify the art, you know, the original artist that this is aped from because it's a classic 90s uh, art. I just I can't think of who it is. But every time I see it, I'm like, oh, I got to slap that up on, on
2: Facebook well, and see. If I it, mean, the you know, art I
1: saw, it is the same
2: art. It's just the letter is doctored. It's not it's not even like
1: yeah. redrawn. It's the same yeah. art. Yeah, I see it a lot. Especially with DC stuff. I, I see it an awful lot. These days I, I don't I don't see it as much as I used to with uh with like Marvel or even you know Disney because now with Marvel being owned by Disney, I'm sure a lot of places are much more fearful of those mouse lawyers, you know, but it doesn't seem to be the case with DC stuff. I see it ripped off left and right all over the place. Mm. So I don't know. And just the fact that they don't seem as uh you know, defensive when it comes to you know all the online stuff. You know, the movie industry—they'll crack right down on you if they, they catch you downloading movies or even TV shows and stuff. You know, I, I, in the past, when I used to do a lot more downloading, um, I, I'd gotten a couple of cease and desists, uh, you know, from the movie industry or, or you know even like telling because I didn't realize you couldn't download television shows. That to me is stupid. If something's free over the air, as it was back then. I'm trying to remember what, it, what what show it was I was downloading, um, and I got a cease and desist for a TV show. I'm like, it just aired like yesterday, you know. But yeah, the, you can't do that. But the the comic book industry—I've never heard of the comic book industry coming, uh, you know, going after anybody, you know, any of the scanners or or any of the hosting sites or anything. They're just out there.
0: No, the and, only thing I've ever heard of them going after was the uh, like the artists or the creators, who tried to claim ownership of the character and were suing them for it. Who was, who was the guy who cre- uh, created Ghost Rider? Because I remember that. Oh, guy, yeah. Yeah. You
1: know, yeah. He, he,
0: he brought Marvel yeah. to court over it, and then they was gave it, him a cease and desist over...
1: Uh, was it Mensch? I think it no. may have been. No, it was it was no? the artist, so I can't think of his name off the top of my head. But no, I know exactly who you're talking about. But
0: that's the only time I've ever heard of a cease and desist from the comic company.
1: Yeah. Mm. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I, I I mean, I don't feel what we do is I mean, we will cover a book.
0: We're not we're not comprehensive enough to be uh
2: yeah, but we don't we don't offer a visual medium at the That's same time. That's what I'm saying. Time. We're not
0: comprehensive enough to be stealing their uh, intellectual property. We're, yeah. we're, we're just reviewing. Reviews are, right. are fine.
2: Well, I mean, this was a review, but it was... No, but, I mean,
0: but they're, they're actually presenting the book.
2: With visual That's aids. Different. Yeah. So, uh, now, if I could find this series on the cheap... I might pick it up, the rest of it, but uh, I'm not. I don't. I. i, don't I
0: think you're gonna find it on the cheap for another year or two.
2: You well, yeah, but uh, I have so many books to read. It'll be, ten, you know, a, a decade before I get to it, if I was to go through stuff that I bought prior. So,
1: but Gary like, uh, Gary Friedrich was the guy. Uh,
2: yeah. Like like today, I picked up. I picked up the brand-new Iron Man number 1 Volume 6. Volume
0: 200.
2: <laughs> which, it was all right. But, like, I only buy three new books now, three books that are new. That's uh, Avengers, Iron Man, and Savage Avengers. That's it. That's Everything else I will pick up on the cheap when I find it. If I find it, I'm not in a hurry. You know, uh the girl in the shop said oh do you get any dc i'm like no not new sorry i'll wait till i can find it uh on on the download on the cheap i'm not gonna i'm not paying that price because they had like a like a the new issue of detective comics was out and it was like some like graphic novel size it was issue 1027, and it was like some huge, thick issue. I don't know what the big deal is about it. But also, they had like uh, they got a new thing out called the Three Jokers. So that came out, and it was like $6.99 for the cover price. I don't know if it was a larger issue or what. Because I also watched, I also watched the same guy cover the entire first issue of that, page by page, and got the whole like, oh, okay, well that's interesting. That saved me seven dollars. Thank you. Thank you, Mister So and So. Yeah, I was able to watch the comic book on your YouTube channel.
1: I can't believe nobody's reported him yet.
2: I I don't know. I don't know. You they just ignored my message. Oh. <laughs> I'm not trying to get anybody in trouble. I'm just like shocked that is. It's like maybe it slips through the algorithm because he's because it cuts between him talking and. Uh, it's not like the full image page maybe image it just,
0: maybe it just flies under the radar because
2: I, I too, guess because it's too just small two,
0: potatoes for them.
2: Yeah, maybe, maybe. If I can find it again, I'll send you guys a link. You can see what I'm t- talking about. So, but back to this book. So I'm gonna go ahead and greet it because I want to go to bed. I'm tired. Had uh, a
0: little drink about an hour ago. I
2: would <laughs> So the cover, Batman is, uh, I, I remember this cover when I saw it on the stands, and I was like, deceased. So you got Batman fighting a bunch of SWAT guys, SWAT policemen, and they and they look like they're zombies, but they're not zombies. They're zombie-like. They even say that, you know, like, oh, it's zombie-like. Um, so he's basically being attacked and mauled by a, you know, like a pile on of, uh, SWAT Gotham SWAT police. And it says the end of everything starts here. Um, all right. It's not amazing. Um, it's like he's knocking some teeth out on the one guy. He just is clocked right in the face. Uh, I'll give it a I'll give it a C plus. Um, the interior art, except for the apocalypse stuff, it's okay. Um, I mean, this apocalypse stuff is stylized, but it looks a little bit. I'm not that familiar with Darwin Cook to say it's Darwin Cookish. No. No. Yeah. Maybe more like it looks more like an animated.
1: Yeah, it was just going it reminds me of that, that stupid Teen Titans Go or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Kinda. So it looks a Which little It's like not
0: really the style you want for a book about
2: zombies. Zombies. Yeah. And then the rest of the art is, is there's there's too much
1: Well, I almost cursed. What what was the name of the of the Head race that was behind the invasion back in the nineties. Uh, controllers was it the controllers? Oh,
2: you, you, it was in my head, and you kept the Dominators.
1: Dominators. Yeah. Why does why does Des, uh Dasad look like a Dominator? I don't know. I, I I don't
2: know why he looks like that. Now this is another Earth. I mean.
1: So, Dasaad is immune from all disease. Is that always been his one of his powers or something? I I don't remember ever hearing that before. But yeah. you know,
2: you know, they rip his tongue out. They rip out Vic's tongue. Yeah. I don't know if you caught that because yeah. he's like he he mounts off the dark side and the dark side ah eh, remove his tongue. It's like oh, but okay. Color wise, everything in the background is gray right except on apocalypse but back on the earth in people's apartments in the manor there's no color to this world granted it's supposed to be a zombie world it's going to be zombie land or you know the bad things are going to happen but there's every i I don't like the color palette the story eh, it's a little derivative of other things i don't know where it goes so uh, back to art. I will give it a C plus on art and the story. I'll give it a C plus. So it's a, right now it's a C with the first issue. It it hasn't sold me. Let's say one of you guys.
0: I like the cover. I think the cover reminds me, in some ways, of Bernie Wrightson.
2: Hmm. Like Conan fighting. The, oh no, wait! I was thinking Back of Batman uh, the cult.
1: Yeah. Mm.
0: So, yeah, I, I mean, I think the cover's pretty solid. I'm gonna say a B on the cover. Uh, the interior art, I really, really don't like the difference between the two styles. I think it takes me out of the story, or it took me out of the story when I was reading it. Uh, and I and the the, the secondary style, the uh, one in Apocalypse is a style that I'm not fond of on top of the fact that it's too even if it was two styles that I liked, I don't think I would care for it in this story to be done this way. So then you you combine that you know, I, I just think it's a bad choice to have those two styles together. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a C on the art. Story is okay. Uh You know, it's it's like okay, we need to do DC zombies. We don't want to do it the same way they did it on Marvel. How can we do it? All right, we'll do. You know, we'll use the anti-life equation. You know, I think that's all okay. Um, But it's you know, it's 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 not particularly creative either. So I'm I'm gonna say a C on the story just because it's it's just you know it's like it's all right. And I'll give the book a a C plus uh, because the uh, cover buoys it a little bit.
1: You really want my opinions on this one? Absolutely. <laughs> D all the way around. I'm going to get myself in trouble with this one.
0: No, you're not. Um, you're allowed to like and you're allowed to dislike.
1: No, I'm really not. That's the problem with the Internet these days. But uh, Fuck the Internet.
2: There, <laughs> I said it. <laughs>
1: The, the cover's okay. You're right. It does have a very uh, Bernie Wrightson quality to it. It reminds me an awful lot of uh, Batman the Cult, which uh, back when it came out, I, I thought was was a pretty good book. So, yeah, it's not a bad cover. I'll, I'll give it a B for Bernie. Um, the interior art, it's okay. The primary art, the uh, the... Apocalypse stuff is abysmal. It, it do- doesn't fit the tone of the book. It's very childlike and amateurish, and I don't know what the hell they were thinking with that. So, the uh, the art in that portion is uh, is a D minus. It's terrible. Um, the art in the primary part of the book, you know, the dominant art, is actually really good. Um, my problem with it are Bill's problems with it. I don't like the, the palette. Everything's gray and bleak, which I understand it's a zombie story, but still, you know, have a little bit of contrast. Um, you know, ma- make it dark and bleak after the world goes to crap, not before. It, it's just it's just unpleasant to look at despite the fact that the art is very nice. Um, my only real qualm with with the art proper is uh superman he's he i don't know what the current what's considered the current model at dc for superman but this to me is off model for superman but again one of the things and i i feel really silly saying this but it is the truth i didn't realize going into this that it was uh effectively an elseworld's tale i i didn't understand i thought this was their big crossover last year so i went into this thinking that this was canon you know that this was uh yeah. you know part of the current universe so i walked away from it really hating it really thinking wow that this is disgraceful for them to publish something like this but then i did some reading up on it and realized that oh okay okay DC has apparently abandoned its Elseworlds label and gone with this whole Black Label thing, which I guess this book is, right. it qualifies as Black Label. Oh, is, which is that... Which means... Yeah, it, it's like their new version of Elseworlds. They just don't call them Elseworlds. Oh, that's that... Is that literally the Black Label to top? Because
2: I've heard about the Black Label Batman book that supposedly yeah. was printed and they had to... Uh, Re, not recall them, but do a reprint because they uh, to cover up the batch long. I guess was
1: uh, yeah yeah.
2: Bruce Wayne's penis was in one of the pictures.
1: <gasps> the yeah, I, I, I heard about all that, but I didn't really. I mean, I don't. I didn't really follow it, but yeah, I heard about all that too. So the fact that this is effectively an Elseworlds tale makes it slightly more palatable. But here's my problem, and here's here's the thing I've been hesitating to say, but I'm just going to be honest about it. And this is going to make me sound like such an old (laughs) fuddy-duddy fart, but I'm sorry, I I don't care at this point. I I have to be honest with myself. You know, it's fun to think that because you have an alternate label like Elseworlds or Black Label or whatever, that you have a place to do stories that you, you could never do in the normal continuity. That That's fine, and I appreciate that, and, and I like that idea. However, there's still such a thing as good taste to be considered. There's still such a thing as protecting your brand to be considered. And I'm sorry, I don't think Superman should be part of things like this. I just, you know, he's an American icon. That, you know, still even today, I think is is I don't know that is aimed at children, but that children can latch on to. I mean, if you're going to put these characters on under ruse, then I think you're morally obligated to be very careful in the ways that you present them uh, in all the other media that they appear in. I don't know why I liked and gave marvel zombies the past that i can't give to this because i can't exactly define the difference but there is a difference i think for one you go into marvel zombies knowing right up front what it is that you're getting into and marvel zombies had a fun and not taking itself too seriously quality to it that i think lends itself to getting that pass I can't give this that pass. I, I just look at this and I think it is taking itself very seriously. I think it almost wants to be Canon in the in the way it presents things here it's not really presenting itself as as an alternate story in an alternate universe and I find it disturbing and I, frankly I'm just I'm disappointed that this seems to be the kind of shit that both dc produces these days and that their current fan base seems to really gravitate to this dark gritty ugly nasty violent stuff and i just don't get it because that's not dc comics to me that's this isn't the dc i grew up with and i know i'm an old man but i don't want to see this It, it just disturbs me on so many levels so I I can't give it a pass. Even being an Elseworlds story, I just can't, you know. If they wanted to do this with with Batman and some of these other characters, you know, present a very dark, bleak Batman zombie story, then, yeah, okay, Batman kind of lends himself a little bit better than that. But when you include Superman, and I would even say like Wonder Woman and some of the other light characters, if you know what I mean, then I, I think you have to be more careful than this. So I don't know if any of that's going to make any, any sense to anybody else. It made so, sense to me in my head when I was thinking it up, but that's how that's just how I feel about it. Um, I understand that times change and tastes change and that, you know, they have to appeal to younger crowds and current demographics and all that bullshit. But at the same rate, that, that doesn't mean that they should allow themselves to get this far removed from the core principles of their characters just the very fact that the very first image you see of Superman in the book is him standing there and looking like those goddamn Doug. uh, What was that guy's name? Menke when he was working on uh, Superman back in the nineties, you know, that chisel face, like, like his face has just been chiseled out of rock expression on his face. And then both of his fists are covered with blood. I, I hate that. That's not Superman. And it just, uh, it just upsets me so yeah i i really did not have a high opinion of this at all so art wise you know again the primary art's pretty good i would say uh i'll, I'll give it an a minus because i actually think it's a pretty dynamic art style honestly uh and, and again that's accepting the uh the apocalypse stuff which is terrible um and then story wise it's uh Yeah, it's an F for me. I I just, I I really don't think they should be doing stuff like this with Superman in it. Overall grade on this, I'm going to say a D minus. And the only reason it doesn't get an F is I I kind of dig the art. So there you go. Sorry, I'm so down on it.
0: There's no reason to be sorry. Everybody's allowed their own opinion. And if anybody who's listening feels that you're not entitled to your own opinion, then their opinion is they shouldn't be listening. That's all. (laughs) I I, I would rather, you know, I try to be open-minded to other people's opinions, and if you're going to listen to us, you know, you're going to have to be open-minded, too. That's all.
2: Well, I think...
0: Oh, shut up! (laughs) (laughs) No, but you know what I mean? Isn't that the whole point of this show, is that we were allowed to give our opinions?
2: Apparently I'm not. Well, no.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What do you think, Bill? (laughs)
2: I think I just looked at our email and we, HSBC London office is really trying to get in contact us about our fund. Oh. I forgot
0: <laughs> all about me, our fund.
2: Let me delete these right now. Bypass trash. Bye bye.
0: <laughs> it's amazing how you end up on these lists. Anyway, that's it for our Halloween show. I hope we was spooky enough for you. <laughs>
1: Whoa!
2: bill said the f-bomb
0: it's very really scary <laughs> good night everybody
1: Ooh.
2: the night was salty.
1: <laughs> thank you so much for listening to our show and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back issue awesomeness you can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at bins at twotruefreaks.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.2truefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corp of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the two true freaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. It's almost time, kids. The clock is ticking. Be in front of your TV sets for the marathon and remember the big giveaway at 9. Don't miss it, and don't forget to wear your masks. The clock is
0: ticking. It's almost time. Happy Halloween, Halloween, Halloween.